Sorry, so let's pray and just see what we're uh, Father, we love you. We thank you. I thank you for every person who's here tonight. I pray for those who aren't here. I pray for protection. I pray for peace. Um, we take this time. We submit it to you. Let it be exactly what you want. Nothing more, nothing less. Father, I submit uh, every every ounce of me to you. Uh, whatever you want to teach, just teach. We love you. We give this time to you. We expect to be changed by you. We expect to light and move. You are good. You are worthy of praise. You are the only thing worthy of praise. Amen. Can I raise this? Yeah. Do I have a title? Did I send you a title, Jeff? No, you only... Yeah, no, you're right. All right. Can we not put anything on it? Uh, can Um, yeah, because I, I don't know. I had a few different titles for what I really want to title this message. Um, what, did I, what did I talk about it with you guys? Unshakable faith. Unshakable uh, foundations. I, I honestly, like, I'm pretty much just settled on um, unshakable. If I had to like teach us a little bigger forum, that's what I'd use. So anyway, let's just go ahead and get into it. First scripture. First Peter two twenty one. I'm gonna say that for the recording. Uh, for this, for to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leading you an example, so you might follow in His steps. Follow in whose steps? His. his. Thank you, Colin. That's not helpful. Following two steps. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Next scripture. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Who is the I of this verse? Paul. Yes. Paulie wrote the epistles. What? Paul wasn't one of Doesn't matter. That's a different conversation. We're going to talk more about that. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Um, I think I have one more on this. Next one. Yeah, maybe. Let's try it. Let's give it a shot. Oh, yeah. Whoever says he abides in him, uh, that is in reference to Christ, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Um, So, this is all just to, like, here's the thing. I'm not just going to say something, and then I'll back it up with scripture. So, like, you hear a lot of people just talking about, like, man, we're just trying trying to to be like Jesus. But, like, are we actually supposed to, like, be like Jesus? Um, Yeah. And here are three scriptures to prove it. <laughs> it's just honestly, that's my point: is we are called to be like Christ and to walk in the same way as Christ, and to act in the same way in which He acted. Uh, the only thing is, I think most Christians say that, and then um, they still just do whatever they want. So the uh, the question, the question that this should prompt in your spirit. Is uh, 
Or how did he act then? Right? Well, how did he act? And so he acted in many ways and many things, but I want to focus on a few particular um, facets tonight. So let's just get into it. Next scripture. That was an introduction. This is the actual start. Luke 8, 22 through 25. One day he got into a boat with the disciples. He said to them, let us go across the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. Then a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he woke and rebuked the wind and raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. They marveled, saying to one another, Who is this, that he commands even the winds and the waters, and they obey him? So, <clears throat> let's really start to deconstruct what we do when there's a windstorm around us. Sleep. Sleep. Because if we are called to be like Christ, we should react to situations in a similar manner in which he does. He didn't really care. He was asleep. He just slept. And so, so he asked them, he said to them, so like he got up, he was like, all right, just be calm, like whatever. And like, I, I, I don't know, I feel like after this, like he just went back to sleep. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that, so that's just like conjecture on my part. Um, he said to them, where is your faith? There's no is there. I know, I'm sorry. No, it's all right. Um, where is your faith? Well, I mean, like, we can, we can, where your, where, where your is faith. No, um, I honestly like I'm okay with that one translation too. It's like where your faith. Um, it's kind of like the guy got faith. <laughs> he just woke up, and I feel like he might have been a little bit exasperated though. So to for him to look at the disciples and be like, "Where your faith?" I don't feel like it's that much of a stretch, but it's it's it doesn't really matter. He said, where is your faith? Uh, because honestly, he knew that their faith was in their circumstances and not in the call. Their faith was in what they saw around them and not who they had sleeping in the boat. And so what happens a lot is Christians like freak out because we see something around us. And then we're like, oh no, we're perishing. Lord, save us. And he comes up and like, sure, like he can, he can change the circumstances around us. But then he looks at you and he's like, where's your faith? Is your faith in your circumstances or the one who lives inside of you, given you by the crucifixion of Christ? And so if we're called to act in the same way as Jesus, do you sleep during the storms? Do you really honestly not care too much? Or do you put your faith in your circumstances instead of your God? The disciples, people in the boat, put their faith in their circumstances and they freaked out. Jesus had faith in God. And he was saved. Next one. Daniel 3, 11 through 30. Wow. Oof. Yeah, That's all right. And whoever does not shall fall, fall down uh, worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. This is uh, that one king. King Nebuchadnezzar, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Oh no. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? But if you do not, but if you do not worship, you shall be immediately cast into a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And they were like, "Oh man, that's a good question." But oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image. That you have set up. So, here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar was like, alright, so if you don't worship me, if you don't worship my gods, if you don't worship like the golden image of me, like, because I'm king, then I'm going to throw you in furnace. And they were like, alright, God will deliver us, but even if he does not, even if we die, we're still not going to do it. But you can't threaten us with that. It's basically that. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face changed. Against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And then he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hat, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. <laughs> I love that, like, in the Old Testament, like, it's never just like furnace. It's into <laughs> the burning fiery furnace. Like, <laughs> you said that. Like, can we not say that? No, we're gonna say it. <laughs> yeah, we're making a point here because the king's order was urgent, and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, so <laughs> catch that. Like, hear that. They bound them up and threw them in, and then everybody <laughs> like who was assigned that task. <laughs> died <laughs> like like Nebuchadnezzar was like alright so like you you and you bind them up and go throw them in there and they were like alright dude like whatever and then like the first was too loud and they died so <laughs> probably because they worshipped the wrong god but anyway and these three men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound into the burning fiery furnace then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished rose up in haste did we not cast these men in and they were like, yeah, we definitely did. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Um, one god, though, whatever. Then Nebuchadnezzar came to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the God most high, most high God, come out and come here. And so they came out. And then all the people around the king gathered and saw that the fire hadn't done anything, the hair wasn't singed, there was no smell of fire upon them. And so Nebuchadnezzar said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, set aside the king's command, and yielded up their bodies, rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. Their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. 
So they're like, they're like, there were a few worst case scenarios and best case scenarios in the situation. And so the worst case scenario is obviously like they just get thrown in the furnace and die, whatever. At least they didn't worship King Nebuchadnezzar. But I, honestly, I'm not sure best case scenario like could have even been imagined that like King Nebuchadnezzar was like, oh wow, God's real. Like, look at that. He's better than any other God uh, loves. So like, let's promote you. I honor you for your decision. Um, and I'm going to honor your God because of it. But now here's the thing. Did they like, did they resist? Were they like, oh, you know what? God's going to like come down and kill you all. Or like, I'm going to kill you all for the strength of God. They didn't do anything. Like they just like bound them up and tossed them in there. And they were like, okay. <laughs> like literally like they were outside the furnace. Nebuchadnezzar was like, worship me. And they were like, no, I'm going to worship Yahweh. And then, like, Nebuchadnezzar threw him in the furnace. And he was like, worship me. And they were like, no, I'm going to worship Yahweh. Like, nothing about them changed based on their surroundings, even when their surroundings was a furnace that killed anybody who came close to it. What? Respond to the fire. They didn't respond to the furnace. They did not dignify Nebuchadnezzar so much for the response to even like worry about it. Next scripture. Acts 14, 19 through 23. I'm not gonna read this one. Somebody else got it. But Jews came from and That's close. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to, the, to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Ithium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders from them in every church with prayer and fasting, Alright, so every time like people go on like mission trips or whatever, or like on vacation even, like this is it's fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to do it, but like just like catch me, don't be offended. But like everybody always prays for like safe travels for like them and their family members when they're going places. They're like, yeah, we're you know we're going on vacation to the Niagara Falls, so just safe travels for all my family. And like that's cool, I'll do it, whatever. But so so <laughs> Paul was preaching the gospel. So they stoned him and just threw him out of the city. And so the disciples were like, oh, well, Paul's probably dead. So they went and gathered around him and he got back up. <laughs> and what did he do? He just went right back in. <laughs> like it was so like can you imagine? Can you imagine that happening to a Christian? Like them going to a place and just getting beat up and thrown out. And they're like, oh man, like those Jews, like those like ultra-religious people really did not want to hear the gospel of freedom and reconciliation back to a righteous God that I have. Um, 
But you know what his attitude was? Dang, they must really need some gospel. <laughs> he went right back in. And the next day he left. But they went back, strengthening, saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. So with the question, how can you enter the kingdom of God? Thank you. Through many tribulations. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So growth of the church came. Growth in the church of two cities came because Paul was dedicated enough not to let things stop him like getting beat up and thrown out. So even if the furnace like burns you, even if the furnace hurts you, even if a crowd of Jews comes around and punches you and like beats you up, throws you out of the city. So honestly, a lot of people look at this and they're probably like, oh, Paul like legit might have died. Uh, maybe. Uh, like low-key, it wouldn't be the first time that they just brought somebody back to life. So. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I don't know. I'm not like buying or selling. But it didn't stop him, even if he did die. Can you imagine him like die, and he's just like, like in the in the, it, I guess like in heaven in paradise, just like chilling real quick before the eternal like resurrection of the body. And so he's just like right next to Abraham, and Abraham is like, bro, Paul, like, what you doing? And he's like, bro, I don't know. And then he just like wakes back up, and then he's like, oh, hey, guys. <laughs> and then he just goes right back in. <laughs> Paul wouldn't be stopped at this point. Paul wouldn't be shaken. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not be stopped or shaken. Uh, Jesus wouldn't even wake up. Why? I'm going to say this now, drill it in later. Because who deserves the glory? God, not the fire, not the Jews, not the storm, just God. And how does he get the glory? Well, he gets your dedication. When you stop getting shaken like a leaf on a tree. Next scripture. Acts 4, 22-31. This is like way earlier in the book of Acts. They were released from prison and then reported with the chief priests, elders. So they were like, stop preaching the gospel. And they were like, we're going to have to do what we got to do. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God, said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and earth and seen everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people's plot in vain. So it was a song. The kings, I think, the kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city we were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand, your plan, had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Did they pray for protection? No. What did they pray for? Boldness. Boldness. We stretch out your hands to heal. Signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, in the place that we gathered was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Continue to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's the thing. Like when, when 
people are like plotting against you, and like people are like coming against. Honestly, like even this Bible study, when people are like, I don't know, dude, like you guys don't like have a name, like you don't have a church, you don't have like a pastor or anything. I'm not ordained, I don't have any degrees. Okay, like that's like that's the persecution that we imagine. Like I'm fine if like somebody like comes in and like burns down like the room, like well we're in it, like just like throw a torch in here or something. Like that's kind of what I imagine one day, but whatever. Um, that's a different conversation. Would you pray for safety? Would you pray for kindness? Would you pray for acceptance? Do we pray for those things and why? Like, we, as Christians, we have, like, such this weird obsession with praying for safety. And honestly, I just don't see it. I honestly don't see it. I don't see people praying for safety all the time. I see them praying for boldness. I pray for miracles, for signs, wonders, all that stuff. That's what they pray for. That's what happened. And if you know that if you pray anything according to the will of God, it will come to pass. Maybe you're just not praying anything according to the will of God because you're not following the pattern of faith set before you bought believers 2,000 years ago. But you know what? At least they had a real revival in the of God. So that's cool. Let's just talk about it now. Next one, Second Corinthians 4, 8-12. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. How do you manifest the life of Jesus Christ? How do you manifest God coming down and inhabiting the body of man? By manifesting the death. Carrying the death by understanding the cross, the crucifixion, because that's the whole point of it all. For we who who for who we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. For we who live are praying for safety so that we can go on vacation well. Oh, God. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Do we even pray that anymore? Do we even pray that, like, Jesus' life be manifested in our flesh, that the Holy Spirit be completely manifested, that the image of God is just, like, what people see through our lives? Well, because as soon as you say that, people are like, I don't know, you're getting a little prideful, brother. We're all sinners, brother. I was a sinner, bro, but, like, God saved me, so... Do you have a minute to talk about it? Because we can go through it. <laughs> you are the image of God. And as Christians, you are called to walk just as Jesus walked. And to be still the image of God. Jesus said, whoever sees me also sees the Father. Whoever knows me also knows the Father. The same should be said of you. If indeed you are a Christian. What do you pray for? Compared to that? Can't. Same. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Is that it? Yep. Alright, next one. Titus 1.5. So I was I was bugging somebody about theology today in my class. 
was, that's what I do. <laughs> as soon as like somebody brings up anything about church, I just like jump and I'm like, what? Um, it's like somebody grew up Catholic and I'm like, hmm, let's talk. Um, but they, I was just like talking about like pulling together verses and stuff about, um, honestly like the lesson night and I was talking about it and like what I was planning on teaching and stuff. And so we were, we were playing What Are the Odds earlier in the day I was going to do my live group. And so he said, okay, I'm going to What Are the Odds you? And I was like, all right, bet. And so he said, what are the odds that I pick a random verse and you got to teach on it tonight? And so I was like, one and one, dude. Just like, give me a verse and we'll see what I can pull out. And he was like, Titus uh, 1, 5. And so here it is. <laughs> no, listen though. It's real. So Titus 1, 5. This is why I left you in Crete, that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, so, here's the thing. How often do we pray to get out of somewhere? How often do we pray for like a change in job or a change in school or a change like God, like God, I just give me that promotion, God, give me that grad school, give me that something, something, something. I didn't ask for grad school, God put me into it anyway. Um, don't pray for it. <laughs> 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 but but here's the thing. Maybe your purpose in being somewhere is a little bit more important than your comfort in being somewhere. Yeah. Maybe your purpose in being a light and life to your job, to everybody around you, to wherever you are, to being salt and light, wherever you go, is a little bit more important than your comfort in being there. Maybe you're a little bit uncomfortable with your circumstances, but it doesn't matter because God's not a God for circumstances. He's a God of people. And maybe in your circumstances, there are people there. Because yeah. I'll be honest, I didn't want to be here. I don't want to go to UND. I wanted to go to Bible school. I wanted to be a pastor of some mega church with like 5,000 members. I could give a nice sermon every morning. I could have a dog, two and a half kids, have a nice salary in a house. That's what I wanted. As soon as I got saved, I just got to be a pastor. And he gave me a gift, and it's the gift of no. <laughs> I said, God, can I go to Bible school? He said, no. <laughs> he said, you can, but it'll be a concession. Yeah. You'll pass up your anointing for the sake of your comfort. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> let me think on that. Like that. <laughs> let me think on that and get it back to you. Because he said, where are you throwing up a treasure? Like, are you really going to, like, store up your treasure here on, on earth and get your own little mega church in your house and your wife and all that stuff? I said, well, that doesn't sound so bad. I said, no, it's not. And I'll still receive you into the kingdom. But once you get here, you're not going to have much because you already got it. Like, well, what do you mean? You're like, well, you already received your treasure. It was just the wrong treasure. But that's kind of your call to make because you have free will and I'm on that. So yeah, I didn't do that. And I prayed about what to do, and he said, you're going to go to PT school. And I was like, I don't know, guys, really competitive. And then I was applying. I didn't meet any of the qualifications. I had like half of it. I applied to 12 shadowing hours. 
normally like most schools require a minimum of 50. A lot of my classmates had like hundreds. They were like, yeah, I shadowed in this clinic for like two or three years. I was like, I spent three mornings. Like, <laughs> 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 anyway, uh, I got in. So <laughs> that's the other thing. I didn't even have like the minimum requirements to apply to IEP-wise PT school. <laughs> I couldn't. I could. I only applied to one school, guys. I didn't have a backup band, but anyway, he told me to be here, so that's why I'm here, and that's why I teach Bible study. Um, <laughs> next scripture, First John four nine. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, that we might live through him. So, I, I bring up this verse all the time, and I ask this question all the time. How does God show his love? Alright, this is, this is called exegesis. So we have a text. Right, so we're going we're gonna to look at the text and then pull some meaning from the text. So my question is, how did God show his love? And so you're like, wow, Luke, that's a really good question. So, so, how was the love of God made manifest among us? Like, uh, God sent his only son. Do you understand like this train of logic? How was the love of God made manifest? He sent his son. The love of God was not made manifest in what kind of job you have, what kind of car you drive, what kind of school you go to, or where you were born. That's circumstance. God's love is not made manifest in your circumstances, but instead in his son and the crucifixion thereof. Why is that? Because 1 John 5.19 also says that this world is under control of the evil one. So if you're thinking God doesn't love you because of something in your life doesn't work so great, well, it's just the enemy fooling you and telling you it's God, when in reality it's just him, and God already sent his son to die for you. And in that, his love is made manifest. Because because there's no greater love than this man to give his life for his brother. To show his love by your circumstances is to do you a dishonor with a lesser love. Cool with that? Next one. Mark 4, 10 through 17. So here's the thing. This is what I want to talk about. 
Um, because I could have just like read you the parable and explained it, but Jesus explained it, so I don't really want to explain it. Um, you did that, I'm cool. You can do that. Uh, when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. The one sown onto the rocky ground, they have no root in themselves. They have no root, they have no root, but endure for a while. When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the world, on the word, how do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Through many tribulations. Somebody should have told them that. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Why? Because they have no root. Next scripture. Matthew 7, 24-27 Everyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus talking, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat his house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Root is the foundation of a plant. Are we okay with that parallel? This is another parable. Uh, is it a parable? No, it's a metaphor. It's, it's a metaphor. It's not a parable. This is another metaphor. If the root is the foundation of the plant, the foundation is the foundation of the house. Foundation is the root of the house. <laughs> Are you cool? Yeah. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So when trials and tribulations come and they fall away, when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house, it fell. Are we cool that like Jesus is just like saying the same thing but in two different ways? But like hoping somebody might understand and take it to the heart. Cool with that? Questions, comments, concerns, can we? Isaiah 28, 16. You got 10 minutes. <laughs> I got 10 minutes. <laughs> um, I love when pastors do that. It doesn't mean anything. Um, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who, is laid, who has laid as a foundation, and sign a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, one of sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. He gave us a foundation. Go back to the last scripture. <clears throat> Everyone who hears these words of mine doesn't will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are we like, are we cool? Are we catching this? I see. I see. Next one. Psalm 1831. For who is God but the Lord and who is a rock except our God? Who's a rock except our God? Well, nobody. It's just sand. I mean, sand is just tiny little rocks that have been eroded and corroded and just useless now. It's good for exfoliating. It's good for exfoliating, but that's about it. (laughs) Who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? Nobody. Who is a rock except our God? Who is the foundation except our God? Who are the roots except our God? 
how are you going to be unshakable? How are you going to like look trials in the face and be like, you know what, it doesn't really matter. Well, you just got to be rooted in God. You got to build your foundation up. Next one. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. So here's the classic Instagram bio verse. It's 13. But what nobody wants to do is read it in... Yeah. Just read the first three verses, and then yeah. we can read the last verse, and then we can exegetically discern a meaning instead of just picking and choosing whatever we want from the Bible and twisting it to our own vile prerogatives. Okay, honestly, honestly, anybody can take the Bible and say anything they want with it. Just be on the lookout. People will pull it out of context. I can argue back and forth both sides all day. I do it for fun a lot of times. <laughs> like, honestly, if anybody like I'm talking to says something, I'll bring up a verse that seems to like argue the other point. Why do I do that? I I might agree with them. See, <laughs> like that's the worst part. It's like, yeah, dude, like that's, that's like that's a deep spiritual revelation. But what about this? I'm refining you. It's okay. Uh, but so I bring this up to to actually put it a little bit into context and then exegetically pull from the text. I the Lord greatly not lengthy you revived you revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all, so a lot of verses will say, I can do all of these things through him who strengthens me. What does that mean? I can exist in every circumstance because of the strength of Christ, because of the foundation of faith, because of the root of the word of God. Then I can abase and I can abound. It's a KJV like thing. Abase just means be poor, I think. I don't know. Like that's the only time I've ever heard that word is like from old dudes like saying like abase and abound, brother. Okay, bro. I don't know. <laughs> cool. Um, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. I can be a Christian in all situations. Paul is literally saying, it does not matter on my circumstance, for God is higher. It does not mean you can go win a football game on Friday night. I'm sorry, I'm really mean to like... We pray before every football game. Awesome, dude. What do you pray for, protection? Um, yeah, they, they pray for good sportsmanship and for the safety of the players. Oh, so now you're waiting for God to overcome oh, the will. Oh, wow. <laughs> the in the face. No, no, no. They pray for both teams. Oh, they both teams. Both teams. All right. Well, God's they not going to have friends. They pray for a clean game. On the will So, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had prayed for Nebuchadnezzar to come to their side, would they have proved the power and righteousness of God? Probably not. Could they? Not as like not at the, not the same level that they did, but I don't exactly. think it necessarily means that they would. God is a God of symbols. Oh. He 
likes the big theatrics. <laughs> so, so when day. Jesus was Literally. baptized, the heavens opened up. The, the Spirit of God descended like a dove, and everybody heard this booming voice from heaven that said, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Did God need to do that? No. 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 <laughs> like, the heavens opened up, like, like the Spirit of God descended like a dove. And yet people still didn't believe. Like, who do you think that was? What did you think that was? <laughs> They're like, I don't know, I'm going to trick the light. <laughs> what do you got, Jeff? school. 
I give up everything just to have a conversation with you. I would die for you in an instant. Don't tell me I'm not walking in love just because I'm forcing a decision on you. Because inactivity is death. Of course I'm going to push. Your life is on the line. Why are we afraid to get a little bit abrasive? It's exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what Paul did. They were bold. They were outspoken. As soon as that gets brought up in the church, I'm walking in love. It's more loving than anything you do that time. Because it doesn't matter. I don't care if I get rejected or not. That's something I'll give up for you. I'll give up your opinion of me on the off chance that I might plant eternal seeds in you. That's how much I care. You can say I'm not walking in love, but all who seek to lead a godly life will be persecuted. Next scripture. James 1, 2 through 12. That's a lot. I, I honestly, I only want like the first two and then I wanted to go to like 10. But whatever. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you need me. Trials of various kinds. Count it joy. Oh, look, trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, having nothing. How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? Trials. Trials. Who said that? Look at that, you get like two coins. Um, yeah, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Hey, Colin, I'm praying for your safety tonight, alright? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> I just got a soccer game. Literally, against some of my classmates. Wait, hey, hey, be a bad sport, my father. Yeah, be a bad sport. Yeah. Like, shoulder check him. I told him it was you. Alright, that's good. <laughs> Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. <laughs> so one of, one of Nathan's first weeks here, I read this, the 12 verse, and I said, how do you get the crown of life? And he goes, the crucifixion of God. Or out of Jesus or something like that. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we had to do it like two or three times. <laughs> Blesses the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. How do you receive the crown of life? You understand the test. How do you enter the kingdom of heaven? You go through trials and tribulations. How do you show the glory of God? You exist as a Christian in all circumstances because the strength of Christ is made manifest in your weakness. Stop freaking out and waiting for things to be over when things don't go your way. When like you have trials and tribulations and whatever, when you're going through it, stop just waiting for it to be over and just be weak so God can be strong and all the glory goes to God and you end up alright anyway. Alright? We spend so much time just waiting. The only thing I wait on is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Not waiting on any trials to be over. I don't really care. 
They don't bug me. First Peter 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to reveal in the last time. In this you rejoice, for though a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. If necessary, if you still let trials bug you, they're going to grieve you. If you are that immature in your faith, the lesser circumstances toss you about like a child in the wind. A child. A child in the wind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a verse. No, it's like the, the cradle will fall? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Born again to a living hope, to treasure that's in heaven, not on earth, to gold that does not perish. It's more valuable than that. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials for the testing of your faith for the producing of gold. If you have a trial, it's probably to bring something out of you that's not there yet. At the very least, if you're letting it bother you that much, you probably need to fix it. Next one. First Peter 4, 12 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. Stop acting so surprised. Right? Like we do that. We're like, oh man, I, I don't know, but I guess the enemy's coming against you. Obviously. <laughs> what else is he going to do? <laughs> but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. <sighs> and we're so afraid. But God does not give us a spirit of one of power, love, and sound mind. Are you raising your hands or stretching? Yes. Okay, I raise my hand. Is it kind of relevant for Demon possessed in the house. 
And so two Christians went in and they said, I command you to leave by the power, by the name of Jesus Christ and of Paul. And the demon looked at him and he said, well, I know who Paul is, I know who Jesus is. Who are you? And then he beat him up, stripped him naked and threw him out. And, and so I feel like a lot of Christians, if they were ever to come, honestly, just face to face with the demon, but like they would be like, get off by the name of Jesus Christ and of Paul. And you would be like, bro, you're not even a son of God. <laughs> like, he barely knows you. He talked to you like twice in your life. You were crying at the altar and he never did anything about it. Mm-hmm. What are you doing here? And so, I feel like those are the people who do that. I think it's, um, a lot of times people getting obsessed with the process. Uh, the Lord is doing a work in me when they're just not doing a work for the Lord. But those are my thoughts. Next one. Philippians 4.7 And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So, do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had some peace? Probably. Do you think Jesus had peace? But he was asleep. Alright, that's the most peaceful he's going to get. That's probably the most peaceful he's going to get. What kind of peace did they have? Peace of the world? No, because the peace of the world is dependent on your circumstance. The peace of God has a whole understanding. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to. Next scripture. Genesis 50-20. Genesis, the Old Testament? Yes. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant for good, to bring about it that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So sometimes evil things happen, like a Nebuchadnezzar like, tries to like, burn people to death. But... The king in Esther's mind tried to kill all the Jews. Right. Sure. As for you, you meant evil against me. God meant it for good. There are trials against you that are supposed to take you away from your faith, but God will take them and actually use it to perfect your faith. Cool? God didn't give you those trials, but he's going to use it. So that many people should be kept alive. Because God is about people. Next one. We're almost done. Proverbs 24, 16. This is where I land. So here's the thing. I've been like kind of aggressive about all this stuff. And so, so if you're like, if you're freaked out about how the way you've been handling your trials, you're like, oh man, I guess I'm not a Christian anymore. Chill, chill. <laughs> if if you've been convicted about the way you've been handling your situations and your circumstances, chill. Because the righteous fall seven times, but get up seven times. The righteous fall, but get back up. The wicked stumble in times of calamity. So if you have fallen. Just get back up. Chill. Like, I'm serious. Don't, like, sit here. Like, be, be convicted in your heart of the things that you have done. And be convicted to change. But don't, like, be, like, condemned and be like, oh, man. I'm not a good Christian. I've failed God. I should probably just quit. He either wants you to be hot or cold. If he's lukewarm, he'll spit you out of his mouth. I took that a different direction. If you fall, get back up. If you don't, quit. 
Nobody's going to stop you. It's your free will. To do anything else would be infringing on your own free will. If you want to build your own kingdom, build your own kingdom. If you want to do your own thing, do your own thing. If you're a human, you can do it. But I promise you, you'll never build a kingdom as good as God's. It won't stand forever. That's not righteous. Probably not going to heal anybody. God's kingdom will. The righteous fall seven times, but get back up. Get back up and get over it. Or quit. A little bit different landing than I anticipated. Is it another verse? What is it? Oh, this is why you get back up. Let's let's read it. Let's see what Luke six hours ago was thinking. Declare his glory among the nations and marvelous and glorious among people. For great is the Lord greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord's made the heavens. You can join any of these other kingdoms, but they're idols. They're worthless idols. They don't mean anything. There's one God who is worthy of praise, and it is our God. The trials are not worthy of glory. The furnace is not even worthy of a response. The storm isn't even worthy of waking up and acknowledging it, but he did it as a concession to the disciples anyway, and then he chastised them for their faith. God is worthy of glory. God is worthy of praise. Your situations are not. What we do as Christians, what we do in Bible studies, and honestly, why, why I teach more than we talk, honestly, is but what we do is we sit around and we go over our trials, we go over our tribulations, we go over all the bad things that have happened to our lives, and we end up glorifying them more than God. Like literally, our testimonies are just like bad thing after bad thing after bad thing, and then I scraped everything together, got it to myself to church, I brought myself to church, I just drove there, and then I became a Christian. And it's like, oh, cool, so like that's your testimony? Why does it end with becoming a Christian? Because you're just glorifying the world system. You're just glorifying your struggles. I, I don't care if people hate me that I teach all the time in Bible study. I honestly don't. Do you want to know? It's because I don't trust Bible studies to do it right. God told me to start a Bible study, and I told him no. Eventually, I got my conglomerate of my fecal matter and started it. But I, did, I think the word conglomerate was funnier than the fecal matter part. Just the way you said it. Here's the thing. I don't trust Bible studies. I don't like Bible studies. As a majority of Christians, I don't trust them. I don't really spend a lot of time around them. I don't talk to them. Well, they don't talk to me. <laughs> because we just glorify the world system in some weird attempt to sit around and talk about hell and how much hell we've all gone through, and then whoever's gone through the most hell, we sit there and feel bad about them, and then we just move on with our lives. What is that worth? Why don't we see miracles about? All because they don't work. I, I hate Bible studies. 
It's so easy to get people to show up to stuff if you're just doing a religious thing. So a lot of Bible studies are all about like an open forum. And this is a very closed forum. Honestly, I'm talking, you're not. Whatever. You can raise your hand and talk. That's fine, but it takes boldness. It's like, I'm not going to yell at you. I might like contradict you with scripture, but if you're upset about that, go to a different Bible study. But, but it's a very open forum to allow people to just do whatever they want with the time. Why are we not being discipled by more mature Christians? Why are, why, are, why are you afraid of the fact that I was sent here for your edification? Like I say that and people are like, I don't know, brother, that's kind of prideful. You know what? I would rather be somewhere else. I don't want to go to you, Wendy. A physical <coughs> therapist, they just like make like a they make good money, but it's not great. Urgent. It's not orthopedic surgeon. It's not megachurch pastor. It's not megachurch pastor. It's not my cat. <clears throat> I'm doing it because I love you, because I was sent here, because I love God. So why are you upset about the fact that I was sent here to do something else other than what anybody else is doing on campus? And you know, honestly... I think if they were really listening to the Spirit, they'd be brought into unity with what I'm trying to do. I'll just say it. I think if anybody's honestly listening to the Spirit, they would be brought into unity, and if they're not, it's probably because they aren't listening to the Spirit too closely. That's fine. I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to like look down upon them and think that they're awful people. They'll probably, well, I don't know. Some of them will probably end up in heaven. Some probably won't. Some of them probably get resurrected at the end of the day. Some probably won't. That's on them. I'm going to do my best. I don't want to do it alone, but I will. Because it's about the size of my God, not the size of my Bible study. So yeah, I don't care if you hate it or not. I'm going to keep teaching because I hear things from God. And I feel like you should hear them.